Good evening and welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. I'm Douglas Simpoga. This evening we will talk about the issue of military coups in Africa. And with us tonight is my colleague, Vincent Macquarie, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa. Vincent, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I think you're welcome. And just joining us is uh, my other colleague, uh, Blessing Zulu of, Zim- of VOA Zimbabwe Service. Uh, Blessing Zulu, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much, Douglas. You're very much welcome. As I said, tonight we're looking at military coups in Africa. And whether they're on the rise or not, military coups have been a regular occurrence in Africa in the decades since independence. Recent events in Guinea resulting in the ousting of President Conde are the latest example of the army intervening in national politics. Neighboring Mali has had two interventions by the army in less than a year, the most recent one in May. In Niger, a coup was thwarted in March, just before a presidential integration. So, gentlemen, are the military interventions occurring more often on the continent, Vincent, or is it just a perception? You know, we had had a, a break. I mean, there was a time for those of us who are slightly older uh, when uh, coups were quite regular, especially in the West African region. Now, for the last, uh, you could say, the last um, 10 or 15 years, we've kind of seen a, a kind of a slowing down of uh, uh, coup incidents, and uh, that was looking like a good uh, good thing, especially, and I have to single out the West African side, especially had more than their share of coups, not to exclude uh, the East African region, of course. Uh, but uh, there has been like what was seen as a progression towards democracy, elections happening, uh, so that uh, in countries like Nigeria, which for decades, if you remember back, uh, were led by military strongmen. There were coups after coups. Uh, well, we've seen democracy flourish. We've seen elections take place uh, after every few years. Even in a country like um, Guinea, there, there was seen to be hope uh, because, uh, for example, Alpha Conde is a person who was championing multi-party politics. He was in the opposition for many, many years, and eventually there was an election, and so that was also looking hopeful. But, of course, in the last few years, we've witnessed coups. We've seen a military being involved uh, in uh, Zimbabwe not long ago. Uh, of course, we mentioned uh, Chad. We've seen that in Mali. Uh, and, and so it's getting a little worrying that the militaries might be starting to develop an appetite for being uh, involved in the politics of uh, African countries again. Uh, blessings. Before we get to the integrity of this cause, what's the general view on the recent cause you've seen on the continent? Uh, I think it's a war in development. And um, since 1950, uh, Africa has had more than 200 coups. I think that's a cause for serious concern. And um, uh, we are seeing this year, uh, it appears uh, more and more coups are taking place. Uh, and uh, just going back to Guinea, you see um, Conde was a, actually uh, um, amended the constitution so, he, so that he would continue to uh, run as president. And uh, there was general concern uh, amongst the opposition uh, that, um, you know, he was actually running down the country and there was no need to further extend his term. And... Uh, 
I think such attempts to uh, amend the constitution <clears throat> to have leaders uh, being a life president is a is what is actually also fueling uh, these coups. Uh, Vincent mentioned Zimbabwe. Uh, that's uh, two, uh, 2017. Uh, Mugabe had been in power for 37 years. So I think uh, what we are learning from history is that it uh, repeats itself. I see. Uh, gentlemen, as I talked to somebody recently who said there is a distinction between the coups which that came immediately after independence, where... Uh, there were coups across the continent from east to west. Uh, there are coups everywhere. The, current, the recent coups in the recent years are mainly driven, uh, according to this analyst, by presidents or leaders who seem to want to stay in power. Even the, the recent example of Guinea is even the president had amended the constitution to get a third term. He mentioned Mugabe there. He had been in power for donkey's years. Mubarak in Egypt, Gaddafi in Libya all across the continent. So to what extent, I'll begin with Vincent here, is the, long, long, the, the longer the leaders stay in power conducive to military takeovers? Yeah, the longer a leader get, stays in power, first, the uh, propensity to abuse power. Power corrupts, and uh, the longer a person is staying in power, they start feeling a sense of ownership of their country, and uh, what we see very characteristic of all those who stay in power for too long, they do not tolerate opposition, they do not tolerate criticism, and as a consequence, they become so repressive. And uh, because they hold uh, the operators of power, they have uh, they're in control of every sector of the economy, every sector of the security, it becomes impossible for the civilian politicians to actually have any effect or any impact in trying to make a, a contribution or even to change the status quo. And then it becomes natural that the only other people who can make a change in that kind of a country are those who have guns, are the men and women in the military. And so you can see that in all those countries where uh, the people have stayed in power for too long, the opposition is usually so weak, it is uh, uh, in many some countries non-existent, but the reality is that the people, the citizens, are always suffering poverty, uh, human rights abuses, and they become so desperate. And as a consequence, someone in the military, either out of sympathy or the fatigue of being under this one person, decides that it's time to dislodge this person. And the only way, because that person usually is not open to reason, is not open to a discussion or election, and the only way becomes to get him out by force. So they created themselves. They actually, uh, in, in all situations, the men in power who have stayed too long in, in, in the in this positions create the conditions that lead to a military takeover. Uh, blessings, what's your take? Because uh, getting maybe an example of a man like uh, the late Robert Mugabe, if he had known when to leave, he would be an icon on the continent. Uh, indeed. And uh, they say if a cop stays for too long, it will chase away monarchs. <laughs> uh, that's the same uh, with, um, uh, with, with with leadership. Um 
you also uh, look at, uh, uh, for example, Mali, where there is uh, what uh, others call a dynastic coup. You know, they ousted their leader who had been in power for many, many years, um, uh, Idris Deby, and he was replaced by his son. So you see, um, the, the, the son was uh, in the military. I think you have uh, also examples uh, from Uganda where potentially that can also happen. Um, but uh, I think it's a, the, the, the military, I uh, mean, is taking advantage of that. Uh, and um, uh, like in the case of uh, uh, Zimbabwe, interestingly, it was Mugabe himself who invited the military uh, to be involved in politics. Uh, but uh, that is in uh, suppressing the opposition. Uh, you know, the people were saying uh, Zimbabwe was essentially during um, Gabe's time run by the military. Uh, we have also seen um, uh, the incumbent president, um, Nangagwa, doing the same, using the military to suppress the opposition. So once you invite uh, the military, it also uh, becomes a, a problem, just like uh, with Conde. Uh, he invited uh, uh, this guy who later led uh, the coup from um, France. Uh, he was in the uh, French military to uh, come back to uh, Guinea. And all this is done to ensure that uh, he remains in power. So these leaders uh, invite the military. The military uh, comes in. There's a lot of corruption. The leader has been there for a long time. Uh, there is fatigue and the military takes over, but uh, you would think that uh, if the military takes over, there will be uh, Democrats, but unfortunately, it's not happening. Uh, you know, sometimes it turns out to be uh, even worse after those schools. I see. Uh, Vincent, interestingly, talking about Guinea, we're getting reports that the leader of the opposition, main opposition, is in full support with the military, having taken over power. Isn't this interesting? Because now this it appears now, if you're in the military, you don't have to have a protracted war. All you have to do is maybe listen to the opposition and maybe take make your move. Yes. Um, the the leader of the opposition, Diallo, uh, said that um, he's willing to talk mm. to the military. Mm-hmm. And actually, the opposition guys are even willing, possibly, uh, to join any uh, transitional government. But you see, it tells you the same thing. Uh, that I always say, politicians are all about power. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, how you get there, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so uh, what the opposition in Guinea sees is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't get in, in through an election. Now they're getting an opportunity where they could possibly become part of the next government. I think their gamble will be that mm-hmm. if the country, you know, once you're in that position, you're in a position of influence. So if there would be an election in the future, they might stand a better chance. So one thing is, uh, if they're offered certain positions in that government, they would see themselves as having at, as a, gotten closer mm-hmm. and also developed a more cozier relationship with the military, hoping that perhaps if they're in the good books with the military, they'll have a better chance in the future either to win an election or to at least participate in running the country. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, our politics is about uh, getting power power. and Mm -hmm. how you get it. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't 
matter. So I wouldn't be surprised in as much as the, especially the leader of the opposition is saying he personally would not want to join the transitional government uh, if he's offered a yeah, particularly attractive position or he's promised mm. to be that they would support him to become the real leader of that country. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, politicians change their minds all the time. Uh, blessing, that, that's, that's one scenario. In other countries, it's the in fighting within the party itself that one of them decides to get dislodged and another, another takes over, like the case was in Zimbabwe. It was the same party. Uh, to what extent is the, are the people uh, involved in uh, egging on, uh, pushing on the, the military to take power? Yeah, uh, I think like what um, Vincent is saying that, uh, you know, politicians, um, for them, it's all about uh, power. But uh, unfortunately, uh, just looking at the uh, Zimbabwe example, the opposition was quick uh, to embrace the coup leaders. But uh, after that, there were no reforms at all. There was no demand for electoral reforms and all the things that they've been fighting for for a number of years. So now, uh, you know, there are some are actually saying uh, maybe Mugabe was better. You know, uh, it's the devil that you know. Uh, so I think after these military coups, um, opposition parties and also uh, regional uh, powerhouses like ECOWAS, like SADAC, must push so that uh, they are reformed, you know, as a, a, a condition for... Uh, those uh, military um, uh, guys to uh, have any relations at all uh, with uh, um, uh, regional bodies. Uh, but what we have seen is that, uh, you know, the military comes in, they promise reforms, uh, they stay in power. I tell you, um, mark my words, in Guinea, uh, they are not going to leave power uh, anytime soon. Uh, they will stay for a long time. And, uh, you know, there will be all these um, reforms, uh, or rather there will be these uh, curfews and all, and these emergency laws, uh, which they will disguise as um, uh, meaning to ensure that there is a reform in the country. So the democratic spaces will be closed, uh, the military will be saying we are righting the wrong. Uh, that has happened for a number of uh, decades. But, uh, of course, nothing will happen. You know, it's a vicious circle. You'll be back to the same spot again. Another, you know, colonel uh, or captain in the army will stage a coup. And, uh, you know, it goes on and on like that. I see. Well, for those just joining us, you are listening to Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. Tonight we are discussing the situation in Africa as far as military calls are concerned. Our panelists are my colleagues, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor TV English to Africa, and Blessing Zulu of VOA's Zimbabwe Service, and I'm your host, Douglas Simpuga. Now, uh, gentlemen, Blessing there mentioned the, the issue of these uh, regional bodies, ECOWAS coming in, they all, ECOWAS, all these regional bodies, they condemn military calls, uh, AU include, inc inclusive. The trouble is when the leaders who are overthrown, when they are changing their constitutions, staying in power longer and uh, bulldozing their way through all those uh, uh, fake elections, these regional bodies don't say a thing. Is it because of the camaraderie or the brotherhood among the leadership? What is it? Because they would present, pre prevent the cause, 
if, for instance, in Guinea, if the man had served his two terms, he would be retired, respected uh, ex-president. Yes. That is a point I wanted to bring out. The reality is that African leaders have displayed um, hypocrisy in all these situations in that uh, they actually tolerate each other's excesses. As you rightly mentioned, they do not uh, talk about those of their own who are abusing power, mm -hmm. who are trying to extend constitutions, uh, who are oppressing their fellow citizens, they don't talk about it. No. When the coups happen, like we saw in Guinea, then suddenly you hear the, the, the leaders, are, the, the regional bodies like ECOWAS is going to hold a meeting and they're likely to announce sanctions or the African Union condemns and they're going to talk about sanctions. Where were the sanctions when a leader was changing the constitution to extend his stay in power? Where are the sanctions when a leader is oppressing his own people, killing his people so that he can stay in power for long? Where are those sanctions when the, uh, those in power do not tolerate the opposition? Mm -hmm. So if the African Union meant well, if ECOWAS or East African community or SADC meant well, they would be first dealing with those issues that could lead mm -hmm. To coups or even upheavals. They would be holding each other accountable on the issue of um, leadership, democracy, human rights, and, and even economic development. They'll be talking about corruption. They'll be talking about poverty in, uh, of their people. So you cannot wait to condemn, uh, you know, coup leaders and, and also try to imagine that at that time you can pressure them. With due respect, uh, Zulu, I have to say, we can't say that now if ECOWAS or, or, or uh, African Union ensures that those cool leaders, uh, you know, kind of build certain structures to ensure uh, there will be a better, you know, country tomorrow, uh, that is usually is very self-serving. Mm -hmm. They may do mm -hmm. certain things. They may even uh, decide to change certain things that were looking like they were repressive. But as Zulu mentioned there, they're likely to stay on in power and eventually they end up just abusing power. The problem is that at some point, these people, once they stay in power for some time, they again become part of the African Union. Mm -hmm. They become embraced as leaders. Mm -hmm. How many leaders do we know today who are actually military men before? Mm -hmm. And so I have to say that I don't think African leaders have had an interest of having a more stable, more developed country, uh, nation, uh, continent rather, and uh, they do not hold each other accountable. They enjoy that camaraderie. It's a club. And, uh, you know, when it is disrupted a little bit, they may say one or two things. But the next day, the next few months, they again embrace whoever becomes the more stronger leader in his country. And it becomes part of the African Union. And they forget about how he came to power in the mm -hmm. first place. Mm -hmm. A blessing. Is it because of their seniority? Because we remember... Gaddafi was almost the darling of the AU. He had trans he was financing it, had transformed it. Late Robert Mugabe was a respected leader because he was the most senior anyway, sort of. Al-Bashir in Sudan, the ICC wanted him. The leaders got together and said, no, you can't touch him. You can't touch him. Is it because of the seniority that they influence these regional blocks or is it because, I don't know, they are all the same? I think there is a... Uh, say in Africa that uh, uh, 
when you are chewing, you don't talk. So I think that's what uh, they are doing. Once you are in power, there is no need to uh, criticize your neighbor. Of course, they also say if you stay close to a cemetery, you don't have to mourn for everyone. They really don't care. There are no peer review mechanisms uh, like what uh, the African Union uh, uh, promised to do. And, uh, you know, like when it comes to elections, for example, it appears you know, the leaders are kind of uh, a prosperity prophets. You know, um, they even, it's like they declare that an election uh, uh, is free and fair a year before it is held. You know, you have seen where the uh, AU, ECOWAS, and SADAC have gone to observe elections. Even if, you know, it's clear that uh, the elections are not free and fair, uh, they simply say, uh, the, 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 the election was fair, you know, just to appease one of their own. So this is a breeding ground for coups because there are no elections happening. It's uh, what can be termed electoralism. It's just a ritual uh, that you are going for elections, but these are not elections. You know, it's clear uh, who the winner is. Uh, like uh, Stalin said, it doesn't matter who votes, but uh, the one who counts the votes is the one that matters. So uh, there is the uh, the problem, uh, Douglas. I see. Uh, what if uh, these regional blocks? I I, I, intend, I I emphasize this because they could have a positive role. What if they insist on reforms, for instance? Maybe being the, the first step being uh, uh, strict adherence to term limits. Would that make a difference? Maybe even get rid of the military having to intervene. You know, if you you have to have a moral authority in order to stand up and uh, condemn uh, bad actions of uh, your friends. So the regional blocs are made up of countries. Mm -hmm. Now, these countries have leaders uh, who will have to display a level of uh, patriotism to their own country and humility. And so for the regional body to become effective, you'll have to have a collection of countries that are members of that body that are willing to make those changes and entrench them in their constitution so that term limits become an acceptable culture and that nobody can have a wiggle way, a wiggle way to change a constitution to stay in power too long. Now, if you have within a certain block enough countries that have a moral authority to stand up uh, against those who are trying to subvert uh, democracy, then the bodies can have uh, influence and can have a positive influence. Mm -hmm. Now, as you said, if a regional body is beholden to a particular politician, mm. say the most senior mm -hmm. leader in that particular regional block, then how can they possibly have any positive influence if that is the person they listen to? So the continent of Africa has to move away. In fact, they should not have so much respect for the so-called senior politicians who stay too much in power. Mm -hmm. They should actually be treated for what they are as uh, people who don't have love for their country. People are undermining the stability of their region. So instead of being beholden to them for their having stayed in power for too long, they should actually be, uh, in fact, be shunned mm -hmm. for staying too long in power. Mm -hmm. They should be forced to fall in line. But in order to achieve that, 
whether it is SADC, whether it's the East African community, ECOWAS, you have to have a collection of countries that have become fully democratic and whose leaders have the uh, courage and moral authority to stand up and say, we will not allow any one of our member and members to subvert democracy or to stay too long in power. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to adhere to the limits of the constitutional provisions. I see. Blessings, briefly, your reaction to that? Yeah, it's true that uh, there's need uh, for that. Uh, you know, I've heard, um, you know, some leaders saying, uh, but uh, wait a minute, there are no term limits for the uh, British Prime Minister or the uh, uh, Israeli Prime Minister. You know, they can, Netanyahu has been, before he was uh, ousted this year, uh, it's been in power uh, for a very long time. Mm. Uh, but uh, you see, the difference is, you know, should you, uh, if, if you feel uh, that uh, you are very popular with the people and you want to run for a third term or fourth one, at least you must run democratic elections. But uh, now if you want to uh, stay in power for too long and then you use the military, the police uh, to arrest the opposition, I think this is what creates a problem. If you go to Britain, you know, if Prime Minister can be in power for, you know, an unlimited number of terms, but uh, at least they've uh, democratic elections, you know, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. uh, after the election, people are not talking of uh, rigging. Uh, the other problem is if you go to uh, Israel, I think uh, you, you know what Netanyahu uh, ended up doing in order to stay in power. He, he was accused of um, uh, corruption, corruption. Yeah. and uh, because he was afraid that he would be investigated uh, once uh, he loses that uh, presidential immunity, he was refusing to go. So that's a very good example for Africa that, yeah. uh, you know, you might be a leader, you might be well-meaning, uh, but uh, once you stay in power for too long, mm. you are hermetically sealed from the truth it becomes very difficult to dislodge you. I, see. I, I wanted to add on to mm. what uh, Zulu said. One thing that uh, people have to realize in those situations where leaders can stay in power for long, I lived in Germany, and they also have no term limits uh, for the chancellor. But you have to know, realize that in, most of, in all these countries, mm. uh, they have a, a different system. Usually, actually, they vote for the party. Mm. And then uh, the person who leads that party becomes, becomes the leader. The leader. Mm. But the elections are usually very transparent. They are very competitive. And the person has to fight to win those elections based on the policies of their party mm -hmm. and on the history of what they have done. And people will decide to vote them in or not. Now, it, this is so different in countries where the person who is in power holds the the, the, the key to the election process, he has the control over everything mm. that makes a country. And, and then he personally decides that I want to stay long in power because I want to see mm. my vision mm. of this country realized. Now, there's something I have to say uh, for the few minutes that I may have. The vision of what any leader has of his country has to be and ought to be a collective process. Mm. No individual can live long enough 
to see their countries become what they wish it to true, come. True. It has to be all nation, all citizens participating. So one leader does something, contributes, and hands over to another, another one. one. In one word, is, is this the last we are seeing or more to come? One oh, word. well, we might see more. How about you, Blessing? This, this may be the last or more to come? Uh, I think more uh, to come because, uh, you know, once a coup happens, the African Union does uh, nothing except to condemn this uh, to encourage more and more coups. I see. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. That wraps up this edition of Reporters Roundtable. Thanks to my colleagues, uh, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor of English to Africa, and Blessing Zulu of VOA Zimbabwe Service. Gentlemen, thanks very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're very much welcome. I'm your host, Douglas Simpuga in Washington, I'm wishing you all the best. For up-to-date news and programs, we are always here. All the news and programs about Africa and the world are available to you around the clock on voaafrica.com. Our team is here, working around the clock to provide you with all the updates. Make it a habit to visit our website, voaafrica.com. You'll be glad you did. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including President Joe Biden meets with the Federal Reserve Chair to discuss the state of the American and global economy and the president's top economic priority, inflation. We'll discuss this topic and more on Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice.